come in, lap after lap after lap, and what does he do? He ignores them. A committee meeting about it, stick it on and send him out. Just get it through the bus stop chicane, George. Try and straight line it, get to the line and we'll see what happens. Paris tries to cut off Hamilton, oh! who rolls up and goes straight on. This is kind of appalling. This is the worst start for a Grand Prix that I have ever seen in the whole of my life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Unqualified. We are back for our first podcast of the year in the midst of, uh, gee, I think what we can safely say is an unexpectedly spicy offseason. So a lot to cover tonight. Um, and uh, yeah, as always, I'm joined by my uh, longstanding co-host, uh, Mr. G, not to be confused with Mr. Jeezy. How are you this evening? Good, sir. But you can confuse me with Mr. Jeezy all you want, and uh, I'm not going to say no. So nothing like the Mr. S- Mr. Snowman out there, but uh, we're good, man. Rocking on, enjoying the mountains. We've had a, a couple of good ski trips, and I think in the course of, you know, one of those long days, delirious with exhaustion, we we batted around some foolish ideas about, you know, how we could take this podcast to the next level. And, and here we are, a new year. And uh, trying trying some new things out. I think, you know, it was clear feedback in the off season from our small but vocal audience that you and I together are just not entertaining enough. So we're bringing some quote unquote new talent in off the street, quite literally. Uh, and like, let's be honest, it's either going to be funny on on merit because these are interesting and entertaining people, or it's going to be an absolute train wreck because they're not. But either way. We continue to press the boundaries of broadcasting brilliance for your entertainment. The only thing we can really say for sure is that both of these gentlemen are more unqualified to do this than we are. So we are on brand, if nothing else. Uh, And that's all we're going to promise. And uh, yeah, with that, should we get these guys in the door? Yeah, let's tee them up. All right. So first out of the bullpen, uh, we have somebody who uh, has at times allegedly been referred to as my brother. He is more formally referred to as uh, as Dr. Randy. And uh, yeah, Dr. Randy, how you doing this evening? Good to have you on the show. Greetings. Uh, greetings, lizards. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, older brother, I think, is an important distinction. Uh, but yeah, obviously one of the, the, the original big fans of Unqualified. Just a, just a true honor to quit my job today and to uh, take the step forward. Well, Dr. Randy, you got to give us a little bit more meat on that bone. You got to tell us, how'd you get into Formula One, uh, favorite driver and team? And uh, yeah, have you been in any races? We need to know if you're legit. Yeah, I mean, I've been sucking the teat of Drive to Survive for years. So I'm, gonna, I'm a U.S. born, you know, Drive to Survive homer. But I, I do feel like I've uh, shifted my podcast listening and a lot of my uh, attention outside of work to Formula One. So I've been to a few races. Some count, some don't. Uh, been to Miami and Austin, did see cars, did see the track, actually had a real ticket. Uh, I also went to Monza, uh, did have a ticket, did not see cars, and sort of saw the track, and it was an absolute disaster. Uh, so uh, one, one European, um, two different American, three separate times, looking to expand my horizons. I, I am... A classy guy as I sip on my bourbon tonight, Team Merck all the way, Lewis Hamilton for life. Um, we'll get into that later, but uh, happy to be here. So, some may say more committed financially than mentally. I don't know. It's to be debated. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, batting cleanup for us tonight um, is uh, 
Honestly, I think the only way to refer to this man is the kind of guy that would steal your Chelsea boots and drag dog shit all over <laughs> your friend's apartment wearing them. Also a man who you can't understand why your parents love. It is the trash man. Trash man, it is an honor to have you on. Uh, same questions to you, good sir. How you feeling this evening? Favorite team? How did you become interested in F1? And uh, have you been to any races? Well, thank, thank you, Graham, and, and thank you, Mr. G, for having me on the pod. Long-time listener, friend of the pod, first-time appearance. Could be the last, but it's going to be back and clean up nonetheless. Most likely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's nice that you gave my origin story right out of the gate, too. That was, I thought the listeners might want to <laughs> dwell on that for a little bit, but no such luck for them. Um, so also uh, became interested in F1 through Drive to Survive. I think you guys kind of drug me into this and literally drug me to Monza with you. So I feel like Band of Brothers, we have that battle-hardened experience. <laughs> The worst possible F1 experiences you could have. I have luckily since been able to go to uh, to Austin, which was a blast, and got to go with Taylor and my brother. So that was a uh, that was a redeeming experience. So the uh, nightmare still still. I mean, PTSD is a real thing, guys. I was just watching Band of Brothers. Like these, we have a lot in common, guys. We've both been to Europe and survived it. You, Taylor, you didn't mention about your Austin trip. I forgot you guys all went to Austin together this year. Yeah, we we hung out in Austin. Uh, Chase's younger brother and sister were there. Uh, his his younger sister had the task of driving and picking us up. Hours of traffic all weekend. She deserves a medal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my dad's still driving her downtown because she has PTSD from that, from the Austin drive. There's a lot of trauma baked in between yeah, this, uh, <laughs> in your F-run experiences. This should be, uh, it's like a powder keg here. Great, great sport. <laughs> yeah. It's like a therapy session. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, well, first off, I, as the one, as the lone person on this call who wasn't invited to Monza, um, (laughs) (laughs) not that I'm still bitter about that or anything, but it truly is great to see this group here because unqualified is really for the fans and built by the fans. And you guys have to know you're the most listened to episode was your Monza experience. So out of pain comes greatness. And we appreciate you for your suffering and all that that offered to us and our listeners. So we're happy to have you here. Appreciate the sacrifice out in Italy. I just have to ask from you too, because Graham's retelling of Monza was probably the most hilarious thing I've ever heard for each of you. What was your like Monza standout and having been to us races, how do they compare? They are night and day different. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I, I just I remember listening to that podcast, guys, and when Graham said that we were on the train tracks and we just we had the option in front of us and then two lovely young ladies came out and we were like, I mean, we just got sucked in to that nightmare. <laughs> My wife still I still have to like buy her a nice piece of jewelry every year or so. Every time I, you know, she thinks about Graham and Taylor, I have to get her something nice. That that, that goat track it haunts us. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you we're walking up to each subsequent line thinking that it couldn't be any larger or more unorganized. And they absolutely knocked it out of the park every time, <laughs> you know, you, you truly could not function in that track. Um, it was miserable. And I, I mean, if we had stayed for the whole race and left when the race was over, not that we saw the race cars or the track, but you would have never left. We'd still be there. We might've died there. And, and, and not to mention the highlight was that damn ham, and turkey sandwich at the end, which was absolutely one of the worst deli sandwiches I've ever had. And they tried to short us on it. So that's yeah. bullshit. It put Jimmy Johns to shame. It was, it was, well, yeah. 
Wow. Comparing like, man, Italian, like manna from heaven, you know? Comparing Italian subs to, uh, or D- Jimmy John's, that's a, that's a rough critique. So, all right. Well, look, guys, we're happy you're here. We're happy you made it out of Monza and have continued living full and productive lives despite that deeply, deeply troubling experience. Uh, what do we say? We turn it over to uh, some offsite, off-season news. Hey, before news. before we do oh, that, yeah, can please. we can we play a little what what are you drinking game? Before we go, maybe go around the horn. Absolutely. Thank our sponsors. Let me kick us off. I I support local businesses. I'm here with a uh, Broken Compass Brewing Company out of Breckenridge, Colorado. The ginger pale ale been in the fridge for about 18 months. I figured I should probably start uh, sucking these things down. So Christmas beer you? in February, psycho move. That's right. Uh, That's I right. am. Uh, Drinking a port a port magie Irish whiskey, uh, one one of one for my recent trip to Ireland. Just a little distillery you stopped stopped in at right yeah, in your yeah. travels. Yeah, yeah. Animal. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to re up here, but I'm obviously sporting the uh, monogram Southern uh, whiskey glass. That's me, WTH. Uh, won't tell you my full name. It's Doctor Randy, um, <laughs> and uh, this is the Elijah Craig uh, toasted barrel, and it's a tasty That's, boy. It's a gimmick. Uh, toasted is a gimmick. A, Toasted it's a tasty boy. I mean, it didn't hurt the wallet too much, but at the same time, I feel like I got caught a deal, so it's good. For a man uh, insistent on keeping his his identity secret behind a pseudonym, offering the three letter uh, the three le- letter initials, man, really narrowing the identity search. Love it. All right, revealing already. <laughs> How about you, trash man? What you got? I've got a Weller Special Reserve right now. I've been getting into the uh, weeded bourbons, and uh, it's been really nice. I, I was going to buy two more today from our local kind of website in uh, the Charleston area, but my wife is also a member of it, and she said no. So <laughs> enjoying every sip as it may be my last. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get to F1, but uh, the other week they posted the whole Weller lineup, and Chase is texting me, we're going to split. I'm going to get four. He's going to get two of them. And he forgets that he's logged in on his Facebook on one of his wife's devices, and he had a deal that he wasn't supposed to buy any more bourbon, and we're he's texting the guy, I'll I'll bid thirteen hundred dollars for all six and she screenshots it <laughs> immediately. <laughs> of course he, he drags uh Dr. Randy, you know, uh through the mud with that one. But um yeah. definitely back the bus over you there. Yeah. <laughs> Too much of a window inside of the how the how the Sauces gets made by your wife, unfortunately. So uh, nice. Well, marriage not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so thanks for uh, thanks for leading the charge on that one, trash man. And uh, good luck to you, Graham. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, all right. So a couple of good off season topics to cover here with the boys. We know that testing and and all things sort of preseason predictions is upcoming. So stay tuned for a future episode for that but a very busy offseason with lots to cover. I think we have to start, given this you know, very strong American-centric uh, cast we have here today, we have to start with, of course, Andretti's um, application to join Formula One while approved by the FIA, uh, rejected by FOM based on a couple of grounds, but they threw out some things like, lack of competitiveness, you know, driven by the fact that they aren't really an engine supplier mixed with the fact that the Andretti name brings no value. So, you know, Graham, curious to know, you know, what do you make of this? Do you find the FOM's arguments that they laid out legitimate or are these sort of empty excuses to keep Andretti out? Outcome 
is terrible. I'm t- no, let me put it this way. The optics are terrible. The outcome was predictable is how I feel about this. Why is that? Uh, well, you know, I think that the irony of the fact that Haas has a spot on the grid and Andretti will not is just not lost on anybody. I mean, we're literally talking about a team whose title sponsor was a country that we are in a proxy war with today, uh, <laughs> like three years ago. Uh, they're not an American team, and I badly, badly want an American team that actually has backing from a legitimate American driver who has pedigree in F1, and there are not many of them, right, um, with, with Michael Andretti. Uh and they had a cast behind them, right? GM was invested. They actually put together a real business case. They got approval from the FIA. Like, it wasn't a no-hope bid. I just think that, and we'll get into all of this later, but, like, the reality of how money is allocated in F1 today just isn't going to allow this and maybe never will unless the Concord Agreement has changed. So I was disheartened, but I wasn't surprised is my kind of initial reaction. Yeah. Dr. Randy, Trashman, any uh, differing views, or, or you guys agree with Graham on sort of money-driven decisions here and and overall bad for a worse off for F1. Yeah, I definitely, definitely echo this sentiment that it's definitely money-driven. I do think that as Americans in general, as well as just overall fans at F1, it does seem that like we're the ones getting the short end of that stick. Um, and I, I certainly understand financially it being, you know, money-driven that they're not wanting to cut the pie into just more pieces and not broaden it. But I do think the American audience, as well as the younger drivers, were the one who's suffering from this. And I do echo the same sentiments of Graham that I do think he had a real proposal on the table. I don't know if GM was totally in, if that would have changed things at all. But I, I do think the best case scenario is probably like a buyout from Haas if that becomes a possibility in the future for Andretti to get in F1. Yeah, I, th- I feel like you're right, Trash Man. There's like a, a point where you could almost see some credibility with like the engine supplier argument, right? And them having more credibility if they were coming in with a new engine supplier, because that's what the sport was really looking for. But totally agree with you. I think uh, I think it's pretty clear that that whole fixed amount was set too low, ultimately, given the rapid growth that the sport saw. And that's still going to be the sticking point, no matter what. And I guess I'm curious, uh, Dr. Randy, do you have any thoughts on do you think they continue to press down this sort of longer road towards new team introduction or is their best bet potentially going sort of the acquisition route if they're going to have to queue up 600 million versus a billion for a, for a whole team? Yeah. yeah I mean, unless the, the Concord stuff has changed, I think the acquisition route's going to be what they have to do. You know, if, if, you know, if you look at something like the NFL, which is wildly successful and has grown over the last 10 to 20 years, the, the owners of NFL teams and F1 teams are very similar in how they're very tr- traditional and stuck in their ways. But but the difference being that the bylaws of the NFL are completely different in how the tide rises with the whole pie getting bigger. And it's not necessarily reflective in F1 right now. So it's like they're very similar types of people that play by their own rules and they simply don't want to add a team for largely bogus reasons. Other than, again, I think I agree with you, the engine supplier aspect of it would have probably been the only legitimate side of it. But more cars, more teams, more ability for F2 drivers to get an F1 seat, more development from that regard, the sport's growing rapidly. Um, Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. And it would have made sense to have a team one to two years prior to engine regulation changes to be able to get organized 
in the paddock to be able to get organized on and off the track. I mean, it's just, it's laughable, but it's absolutely exactly what I expected. You know, know, what kills me about the whole thing though, is like the, the letter that they wrote that FOM wrote to Andretti was like some high school girl that had been like cheated on and was writing like a hate mail letter and was like feeling super spiteful, but it was like, the F1 name has more value to Andretti than Andretti has the F1. And they were throwing out like bullshit clauses like, oh, yeah, we can't make enough room in the garages for like all of these extra teams. And it's like, meanwhile, you made room for fucking Brad Pitt and his film crew to have an extra garage. Like I, they they showed their ass a little bit. Like I get the outcome. They could have just said it was about money and left it at that. And I would have had more respect for it. But they just kind of like went a step further with the language and showed their ass and made a bunch of like illegitimate arguments on top of a legitimate argument, which to me, was just like kind of unnecessary. So. Yeah. It seemed like things were positioned in a rather petty way when yeah, to your very. point, you could have just come out and say, but, but I guess under the Concord agreement, don't they have to make those sort of secondary and tertiary arguments because you can't just say, we don't think, what is it? 250 or $300 million isn't enough for like a new team to join. Like, that needs to be renegotiated. Like, I guess they didn't want to hit that on the head in public. And so it seemed like, yeah, then they had to come out with this, like, you know, like you were saying, it's like a scorned girlfriend, right? It's just like, you're digging up all these reasons that are meant to sort of more insult you rather than, and like downplay your credibility as an organization rather than what would be the negotiating more so like financial negotiating aspects. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to think people underestimate like how well the argument of it's all about the money will sell. You know, I think about like all these guys that went to live golf and they made up all these bullshit like social justice reasons or grow the game reasons. It's like, dude, just tell me you did it for the money and I, I I'll let I'll let you go. <laughs> like, I, I think that's pretty rational. So I just don't get all the window dressing. That's my all right. Before we before we move on and and talk about making decisions based on the money uh, in another context, uh, curious to know. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> All right, Mr. Mercedes, I'm going to get a little sensitive. Okay, well, we found the button. Um, I have to ask, there was the whole, well, we've had a lot of email scandals in this country. Just another email scandal with F1 and Andretti. What did you make of the whole, well, we sent him an email and, oh, it's in my spam box. Like That to me was more telling of how things played out than anything that was written in the note itself and any reactions to the, to the email scandal. Trash man. You sent a lot of emails to people in college. <laughs> mine, uh, mine also and, end up in the and, trash. And, yeah. and, and yours also went to spam. Why don't you leave? Why don't you take that one? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's, it's just laughable. I mean, the whole, the whole process, the FI approved and the FOM, I mean, right. Just kind of like Graham said, I think set up to fail the entire time. And I think that is just more kind of fuel to that fire that this was just, I mean, in my mind, it's handled really poorly by the FOM. I think certainly you could have given more also, like, legitimate reasons, again, to not put them in besides just being non-competitive. I mean, God knows Hass is non-competitive, and that hasn't stopped them from having any backlash. Or was that the process when they were coming on? I mean, that's out of my knowledge and scope since I've been a fan for only three years. But I think that's just more fuel to the fire that this was handled poorly, and it's kind of a black eye for FOM. Yeah, another another customer team, uh, right? Yeah. Gerald, I think the email thing is also just evidence that, like, this the, this world is run by powerful people who don't write their own emails and barely know how to use computers. So like, I, you know, like I'm a lot of these saying, guys it, are like, 
these guys were born before like public Wi-Fi. Most of these dudes. when you yeah. when you have that much money though, you just can say something. And it's like it could be just yeah. totally not true, and it's just that's my answer. <laughs> Next question. I mean, that's essentially what they did. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it's almost like they got a little bit of joy out of that. It's just kind of. I don't know. Maybe I'd be like that if I had a billion dollars too. Probably would be. Probably be worse, to be honest with you. Well, you know, we appreciate the uh, honesty, self-reflection here on unqualified. But but yeah, to me, it's more about more than anything was just a, a sense of lack of urgency, right? Dr. Randy, you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, there's questions about could they even really implement in the time frame being asked of them kind of with an existing regulation car, then a new regulation engine, like, it's almost an insurmountable task. And it's almost like if, well, if we just send them the email and they never respond, it just shortens the window for them to actually be able to, you know, either make a, make an appeal or if they ever got a yes, actually do anything pre, you know, three plus years away. And, and, and that just can seems like, well, let's actually see where valuation sort of nets out here for the sport over the next few years and, and go from there. That's a bullshit argument, though, because Haas got approval in 2015 to join the grid, and they joined in 2017. And they, like, say what we want about Haas, like, we can drag him, but they finished fifth in the constructors, like, three years after that. So, like, it's not impossible. And there was a regulation change in 2017 to the arrow of the cars. And so it's just like, how are we going to all sit around here and pretend that there's just some, these guys aren't, like, built, like, building, putting magic underneath those hoods. It's just fucking mechanical engineering at the end of the day. It's not. Like it's not, it can be done. I I don't buy that. I really. Well, don't. And I also think that like the whole lack of competitive just lack of competitiveness argument is interesting because if you were to think about sort of like a like an on ramp strategy, you would probably want to be able to like delay doing some part of the process if you could until a later point. And so there's strategy to come in and focus on like car design, aero design, and still be you know a customer team delayed sort of the comp the development of the more complex parts right being the engine and and electronic systems etc and so it's like they had a good strategy that was perfectly substantiable but it just what you, you did one thing versus you did another it was never going to be never going to be supported as what it, it felt like <clears throat> i mean they're they're shipping these massive containers around the world at random times throughout the calendar like there's the logistics of having an f1 team you, I can't imagine how many mistakes you would make in your first year just having things on time correctly. I, I mean, I would love to – I wish Drive to Survive would, like, show that. You know, go behind the scenes with who delivers the stuff. That would be awesome. Kind of like but a how that, it's made, but for, like, F1 yeah, logistics. Yeah, Andretti ships shit all over the U.S. for – for for uh, IndyCar, yeah, but, like it's not like those yeah. guys don't know how to ship a package. Like one I, one one, was, one country. I mean, we're talking a yeah, little different. But let's be honest, the, the U.S. is like the whole world. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and th- again, this is a racing guy. I mean, this is a guy who's been pushing for this for years. This isn't just Joe Blow off the street. Me or you trying to start a racing team? You know, yeah, it's I not like, like Gene Haas, right? I mean, this guy has I feel like legitimate interest in his. Again, doing everything kind of that he can, and it's, it's just going to be told no no matter what at this point, it feels like. Well, Trashman, you bring up a good point, which is, all right, there was a number of other team, or I guess companies, corporations that had submitted bids to join the grid alongside Andretti that it was really winnowed down to them. If a, a group like Andretti plus GM isn't going to pass the hurdle of potential competitiveness and brand value, 
is anybody or, or is it pretty much admitted that it's a closed club at this point and you either write the fat check or you buy one of us? Like, is this them? Is this FOM and that group pretty much firmly planting their flag at under like we're not getting bigger without without proper payment? You it certainly it seems that. Forward? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it certainly seems that way, particularly like and again, certainly we're biased <laughs> being American, all of us. But this probably, I would think, being your biggest audience going forward as far as that you can grow from, as far as new new fans that you're getting. And so if you have, a you know, an F1 name, a racing name like Andretti, with that, with, you know, having that ties to Cadillac and then hopefully GM in the future and they can't get a team, it does very much seem like a closed club and that acquisition is probably the only way going forward. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what can be a better offer, right? I mean, yeah, it's a, it's, this is a blue bloods decision of F1. You know, this is people sticking to their guns, sticking to tradition. That's all this is. And money. You know, so two pretty powerful things in the world of, F, of uh, F1. Money, tradition, and a tradition of money. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, while we're on the topic of money, um, Lewis Hamilton announced a 2025 move to Ferrari. Um you know, so he has this upcoming season with Mercedes, but then according to that announcement, we'll move over to Ferrari. Rumored, I guess, that uh, again, contracts being opaque in the sport, but potentially $100 million a year driver contract. Um, also, I guess, some reporting around the idea that um, Hamilton from Mercedes may have asked for a sort of a longer term brand ambassador role which they uh, apparently were not sufficiently supportive of, but Ferrari does seem to be in the market. And then obviously all things swirling around, well, what does that mean about the prospect for Mercedes, you know, 2025 and then 2026 and new regulations and beyond? Uh, I guess, Dr. Randy, turning to you as our resident Mercedes Hamilton fan, I'm curious to get your take on, you know, ultimately, what do you think were his biggest motivating factors and and do you think that that indicates anything kind of deeper around sort of future prospects at Mercedes? Yeah, and this has been a tough off season. For, uh, <laughs> this is Dr. your chance. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, we you can get a health, a health check off yeah. the top. Yeah, no, we, we care uh, about again, you and not, we want to, how are you? How are you doing, <laughs> Dr. Randy? You guys, I appreciate the wellness check you sent me. The cops showed up my door the other, <laughs> the other morning. Um, I was up already, but they you know wanted to make sure I was okay. <laughs> The balcony door was open, but I was not on the balcony, um, <laughs> just for the record. Um, it, no, this is tough. Uh, I, it definitely surprised me. I had to kind of look at multiple articles to believe it. Uh, it caught me off guard as, as uh, you know, Toto and Susie probably uh, were caught off guard as well. Um, I think $100 million is low. You know, I'll go ahead and say it. Lewis and I were looking for a little higher than that. Uh, that number is very conservative. Um, but I, I think this kind of uh, – pivot and connect it back to what we were talking with Andretti. I think Hamilton and the trash man, I'll give him some credit for this. Uh, you know, I think he more than anything was a little bothered by the one-on-one. You know, I think Mercedes clearly for the 2026 season was seeing the transition that needed to be made. Um, they definitely did not make him the brand ambassador that he was uh, wanting to be. But then, Man, it's Ferrari. Like this speaks more to the Ferrari brand, what it is to Formula One, what Schumacher did when he won his titles with Ferrari, and Hamilton switching over a year before the regulations is exactly why I think Andretti should have been 
accepted earlier than the, the, than the regulations because it gives him a year to understand the culture, to build up his garage, to develop everything around him that is totally separate from the car. Now, whether that is successful or not, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure Ferrari's the answer. Um, you know, I don't think it will be Red Bull. You know, I think Red Bull, as every regulation changes, it will be either someone else or it will be equal. So maybe Hamilton, I mean, there has been a lot of dynamics with technical directorship and stuff at, at Mercedes that maybe maybe there are some cracks that we're not seeing, you know, as the general public. But, man, um, I, I just can't imagine, like, if I showed up to my job and I was like, hey, guys, like, in one year, like, I'm going to go to – the competitor right across the street, but I'm going to come here for the next year and you're going to have to absolutely do everything to make me successful for the next 365 days. But then like, I'm going to absolutely try to run you guys into the ground. Like the app, the, the, the fact that formula one has that dynamic, this is such a boost to a sport that, yeah, it was struggling, right. With Max being so dominant, this is huge. I, I'm still a Merc guy. A lot of people have been asking, yes, still a Merc guy. Um, but I, I do love Lewis, you know, he's a favorite driver and I'll definitely be pulling for him with Ferrari. I fe I fear for his, uh, ability to, to win there. Um, I don't think that is a given, so we'll see, but yeah, I think, the, I think, I think Mercedes could have given him something more and he would have stayed. Um, but the allure of Ferrari, man, I don't know. All right. So just to put a, that was a, that was a very well and thought out and fulsome answer. I guess to put a, f a finer point on it, do you think it comes down to money, a long, a childhood dream or a man not getting what he was due or he fears for the company's future? Childhood dream, uh, the Ferrari brand. And I think he is fearful that Mercedes is not going to get the next regulations right. You know, he switched from McLaren to Mercedes and had the year in between where they weren't very good. And then he hit it, the nail on the head and the hybrid era, they dominated. I think he is hoping to replicate the same thing. Um, and I think Mercedes choice to do the one and one just pushed him. And then, man, it's Ferrari, you know, it's the prancing horse. I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to see why anybody that grew up in Great Britain racing go-karts would want to race for Ferrari one day. I mean, that that's that's not hard. I hear that, but also that mentality has worked out for literally one driver in the history of Formula One. The one, one. driver that he has to be considered and, and compared against to be the greatest of all time. So I think Lewis, while he, I mean, in my book, he has eight, eight championships. I don't know what your books say. Um, <laughs> how I, 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 you know, I've, scribbled online um things look different in my textbooks but i i think he sees this as a way of man if i get my eighth slash ninth with ferrari man what does that say and then when the comparisons with schumacher are made now he truly does hold a lot of weight even with the blue blood homers that are going to hate on him for just having the best car in the hybrid era blah 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 I appreciate the reverence that you have for Lewis Hamilton, <clears throat> but to, <laughs> however, to run the numbers, I got to say, if I was a driver looking at being in the second or third best car, no matter what I did, I wouldn't be opposed to making double my $50 million a year salary and locking in another 
decade worth of tens of millions of dollars of quote unquote brand ambassador money, which what the hell does that mean? You know, that's got to be the easiest job in the world. It's a lot of money. You're right. And look, I do think there's probably some intersecting forces where they have had a rough couple of years. There has been some like weird leadership decisions at the top in terms of technical director. And so, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're on this dominant footing, but it's nice to, it's nice to, uh, couch a, a, an argument for a sweet ass payday in the, well, it's my childhood dream team. It's also a, a phrase that anybody can say at any time. And it's believable where they don't see that plus $50 million a year, uh, Mark as like the key motivator, but no, it's a great, you know, it's an inspiration for sure. Two, two X as we call it in the biz, Gerald, two X. <laughs> the old I, double up. <laughs> I think he's running from a house fire and into a dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> when I look at Mercedes, now I, a trash man. I see, <laughs> I see organizational instability. Did you yeah, know? I, I feel like, wait, top, wait, hang on. Is he running from a house fire to a dumpster fire or a dumpster fire to a house fire? Honestly, you can flip the order. I think it's either. I, I, I think no, no, the, dumpster I mean, you, but the dumpster you're expecting to be on fire, the house you're surprised it's on fire, mm. which I think is more indicative of Mercedes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. The, the Mercedes for sure is certainly a house fire. Ferrari though, and, and I think some of the some of the fires within the house have led to them losing sight of some of the, the things from an organization standpoint that got them to where they won so many championships. But Ferrari just that's scary. I mean, you're betting on Fred Vassar, right? He's got, I mean, he's betting on, I mean, that's, he's got to think that Fred is going to make a difference. He's only been there a year. I, man, I don't know. Well, I think I mean, less, we, than they, it, less than what it says about Mercedes, I think it shows that, you know, Hamilton's not a dumb guy and he's been around the sport, right? He knows what good looks yeah. like. And I think if anything, that's a good sign for the future of Ferrari and Fred. And, you know, as we look at last season, not a lot of the same type of strategic or, you know, race management issues that you saw in prior seasons. So I was like, yeah, I, I, if that's the dumpster fire, no, I'm not going into that. But it seems like Fred's been able to dampen some of that fire, at least to enough degree that it's piqued Hamilton's Hamilton's interest. I guess with that, though, I'm curious, any take on the implication that this has on sort of the broader driver market obviously signs now you know nice way to find out that you're out of a job after 2025 from you know lewis hamilton's instagram but you know continues to support my belief that signs is the most underappreciated good driver on the grid sure hamilton you can argue is going to be an upgrade but is that going to totally change ferrari's fortunes beyond where it has been i i'm hard pressed to see that but curious what you all think Graham, kick us off on, you know, who do you see is potentially coming in at Mercedes or where, when, where does signs end up? Before we do that, I want to hear Trashman's reaction, considering as a fan, he's on the receiving end of Lewis Hamilton in the most unexpected way possible. <laughs> I feel like this is why the people want me on the show, you know, to finally defend Ferrari. <laughs> and God knows the work is cut out for me. They need but somebody. here I am, you know, like the dark night, you know, just <laughs> what the people deserve, not what they want. Man, I was so excited the day Taylor sent me that message and as I saw his, you know, voice whimper away to be able to know that his boy was leaving. Man, so excited for Ferrari. Obviously very, very sad about signs. I do think he's a really good driver, but he's not Lewis Hamilton. 
So I'm still I'm very excited. As a Charles Leclerc fan, I'm very nervous. I think this that could be really really interesting. But man, just to bring the knowledge and wealth that Hamilton has to Ferrari, I mean, God knows they need it. Um, so I trash think man, who do really... you think is who do you think goes into uh, I, I guess as you as you measure up Leclerc and Hamilton, any uh, predictions looking ahead to this season of how that or I guess to looking ahead to 2025, how that's going to play out. I think it'll be really close. Um, I'll give the the edge to my boy just because of the experience that he has with them. But Carlos Sainz came in and beat him the first year um, by a few points. I think if the car is really good and competitive in 25, uh, I think Leclerc will take it. If it's a more mediocre car, I think Lewis, just with his experience, will probably end up winning that. Um, but I do think, and I think that you guys haven't said this, and again, with good reason, no doubt. But here's a hot take. I think he's going to Ferrari because he thinks he's a better chance to win the Mercedes. I don't think it's just about the money and being number two. I think he believes that there is a better chance come 25, 26, particularly in 26 regulation changes. And I think Mercedes is sinking ship. And you can't get on this lifeboat, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think Mercedes Listen, is sinking I- ship, too. My, my family, we put our masks on first before we worry about anybody else. And so uh, Mercedes is going to be just fine. But I I will be very curious, and I think I'd love to hear you guys' opinions on what time of the season do you think Mercedes will announce who's going to take that seat? Are they? How long are they going to watch George Russell? And, and why does that even matter? Because they've already seen him. Right. What if the car is not competitive this year? Are they simply going to watch how he races against Hamilton with the same car and then make a decision to put the team behind him or go and get somebody like Alonzo? You know, I feel like if they want to make George the number one, then they're going to go for like an Albon or they're going to go for an Antonelli or something like that. Right. If he if he has enough points and can do it. Yeah, but you're not going to try and make Alonzo your team number one, right? You're not going to get enough years out of him. I think like, but then you they're a one A one B, right? So if George is your number what's one, Ferrari doing, you, know? you probably have just as many right. years out of him as you would have had out of Hamilton. So I mean, it's basically your same long term driver strategy, just with Alonzo. I mean, I think that would be awesome if I mean for F one as a sport and seeing arguably the top three teams. I mean, McLaren obviously is, is maybe one of the top three. We'd have to see how it all shakes out, but man, three world champions in three top cars. Yeah, man. I, I don't Ooh. think they owe George Russell anything in terms of kingship to the top of that team. I think they need to put the best driver available in the seat and then see if he, if he rises uh, to meet the challenge. Well, I mean, honestly. at the end of the day, probably you talked about Alonso. to your point, trash man on, on the quality of driver between the Claire and Hamilton. I think the big question and the exciting thing we'll see is Hamilton adapting to a new and, and different car for the first time in a long time, right? He hasn't been along in that journey. And so to see sort of the historically good driver be put through that test will be fascinating to see. And I think just like against Russell, you're probably going to see a similar thing where Leclerc being a little bit you know, and, and look, Leclerc might mature and the car might mature over the next couple of years to the point where it's way different. But, you know, the consistency that Hamilton had and put him ahead of Russell at the end of the day, it'll be interesting to see how that stacks up with, you know, two years away, basically, or a year and a half away Leclerc. But yeah, I mean, look, Russell showed plenty of weakness and plenty of points of failure last year, which is why he ended up so far down the grid. And so yeah, I wouldn't bank on him being the number one. Albon sounds kind of happy where he is. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they kind of make the move and fill the void with with signs or if maybe signs already has his heart set on on somewhere else. But 
yeah, I mean, even for Alonzo, I don't know that he's going to, you know, he, we did see a really weird dynamic where he was overly like effusive in his praise towards Aston Martin and, and stroll. So there might be something bigger keeping him there, but I mean, I would, I'm in your camp, man. I think it'd be interesting to see Alonzo make the move to, to Mercedes and just, you have like the generational pair ups going at it would be, would be great TV. You, you know what the biggest tragedy of this whole thing is, is that in 2025, we're not going to hear Pete Bonington wax poetically in Lewis's ear going around the track. And instead, we're going to get some dumb fucking Italian telling, <laughs> telling, telling Lewis to pit when there's nobody <laughs> waiting for him with tires. We're going to have to drink it out of him. This, you know? are, <laughs> are they going to? I mean, what? how is that going to go down on Team Radio? Surely they're going to pay Pete Bonington whatever he wants. And uh, just they're going to say, <laughs> yeah, Lewis, do what you want, man. You know, what call do you want to do? That's how it's going to go. Oh, can you imagine those radio messages? of just like the first time he gets told, like, hang on, we're checking. He's like, what the fuck are you checking? Like, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> we're on plan uh, Q. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like uh, Peter Griffin asking for the colonel at Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> you know? The colonel. What? <laughs> yeah, that's that. I mean, I think he's going to clean that up, man. I mean, I, that's like I think one of the biggest weaknesses of Charles is he's not more vocal, and that he doesn't always. I mean, that's what I think Simes does a great job of, of like just saying, "Hey, this is dumb. We're not doing this." And I think Lewis yeah. is not going to put up with that shit it's at very all. True. And so, yeah. as just the Ferrari structure, which I think is of those good teams, is the one that's by far the weakest. I mean, I just I think that's really promising that that could change in the next coming years. Love it. Any other thoughts on on the Hamilton move before we move on? Say your piece now, Doctor Randy. I, this is your I, last. This is I, your last chance. I, I I do think Hamilton. I mean, I think you're obviously winning that many championships. You're a cold killer, and like you got, you know, you, you're able to to work under pressure that I don't think any of us can imagine. However, I think giving him the buffer year before the regulations allows him to just get into the team if Leclerc beats him, whatever. And you can easily just in your head rationalize that being new team, new pit, new crew, new car, new new steering wheel, new everything, right? And that would be very hard to do going into 26, new regulations, brand new team, not having a year to assimilate. Like, if he's going to do it, this was the time to do it. So Yeah, kind of to the earlier point about Andretti, it's like there's a lot to learn, get half of it under your belt for 2025 and then figure out the, the new car thing at the at, same time. At, yeah. At risk of, of unboxing a very long side conversation. I, I, I think Toto Wolf wears so much egg on his face for this. And honestly, like, can we just look at his history and F1 leadership and just ask ourselves, is he not the most overrated person in formula one? He inherited the best engine in the history of Formula One relative to its competition rattled off a bunch of constructors' titles, and now has basically just like been bungling leadership decision after leadership decision. The fact that he would leave, like, in t- Taylor let off with the one to one contract for Lewis Hamilton because he was being deferential to a kid who hasn't even raced in F two yet because he thinks he's that good and wants to leave space for him. That's dumb as shit. And if the heads of Mercedes don't think that Lewis Hamilton has brand ambassador value to their enterprise, then they're fucking dumb as shit too. Like that, <laughs> I, I, that's very short-sighted in my view. I agree with you. It's a little bit of bully ball. However, the man's got so much ownership in the team, right? He, by 
them having to have the heads of Mercedes give Lewis the brand ambassador role and having him get more of an equity play, that's Toto's pocket. Like if he was in, if he was in another position where he benefited from the team doing well, but he wasn't a direct owner like he is, that's not all that hard, right? I, I mean, that, 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 that has to be the reason. I mean, otherwise it, Seemingly like you you would never want to lose a driver like Lewis Hamilton. But but we see this with athletes though, like tech Tom Brady, right? You you become so dominant, you win with one team for so long, eventually you are pitted against the head coach who's vying for the same fame, the owner that's vying for the same credit for organizing everything beneath them. And while you couldn't have ever imagined Tom Brady not on the Patriots winning Super Bowls. He's traded to the Bucks, and then you know nearly got picked up by Shanty's Forty Niners. Might would have won. Might would have won, right? I mean, instead they, they you know they make a bonehead draft pick at quarterback and they get smoked for a year or two. But but like that happens all the time. And to me, Toto certainly is at fault. And I wouldn't say he's the most overrated person on the grid. I mean. It's a hot take. Yeah, that was a hard statement. People, that was when hard. you've got when you've got people like Gunther Steiner who is not on the grid. Very happy. Very happy <laughs> well, he's not on the grid this year. But yeah, go ahead. Just to Graham's point, like what? I mean, I, I get if that's it. If it really was about more of the ownership, but like, why are you so sold on George Russell? Like Hamilton's a known quantity and a good quantity. If you really want to bring up new talent, or you're kind of timing that up, what has Russell done that makes you think that he is there? He's your number one or even the number two driver. Well, especially with the resurgence of Alonzo, right, being older than Hamilton and Hamilton still beating Russell, like there, you, you had a clear number one driver still. So, I mean, yeah, this is clearly a failure of them, I think, not appreciating the value that they had in Hamilton. And honestly, like who else in global sports is a bigger like single brand ambassador at this point in time? I mean, you still have Jordan. You can say LeBron. No, that's fair. Like, look at, he look is at the, Ferrari stock, yeah. So, Sunday red. So it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's a big miss, big miss by them. So, I mean, look, you get Alonzo and maybe they, they won't feel that, but it just seemed like you had a good thing going. And to your point, yeah, there's probably competing interests and just kind of goes to show people short-sighted sort of financial interests. You, you kind of forget who was the one putting food on the table and, and sort of dominating. Dude, and I think dude. they got a little happy with what Hamilton was doing and, and maybe didn't give him his, his due. So I can't fault him for wanting to go somewhere where he feels he's getting, you know, the, the credit he deserves and God forbid, it might actually make me root for, for Ferrari uh, in 2025. So that's really the only thing that I'm upset about is the fact that I might have some vested interest in this shit show, but here we are. I mean, and, and it, I mean, you can't argue that Ferrari having a compelling storyline and potentially a very competitive driver with a car that who knows what it's going to be the next two years is good for the sport. Totally. I mean, if he wins, it's a a win for formula one and and a well play. I think it's, I think you give Lewis credit. It's well played. I timed it. Well, he made a good move. Toto. We'll see how it plays out. Probably bad move. Um, but yeah, who knows if he wins number eight or number nine, as some people, uh, count it uh at ferrari <laughs> that'll be one of the coolest stories in formula one history i mean that's that's that I, with fred fred vesser he may not be like 
one of these like celebrity team principals, but he's, if nothing else, he's not unlikable. Like he's, he's, you know, he's white. He's, he's a likable guy. He kind of seems to be about his business and everybody likes to clear, you know, he's kind of a little puppy dog on the grid. And then Hamilton's the, the ultimate likable drive. It's going to be hard not to cheer for these guys, which I'm with you, Gerald is like that. That's tough. for Fuck. Me to Welcome aboard guys. Joining the trash train, train over the here. Fred's a, Fred's a dog. Uh, Charles is not. Charles is, uh, I think this will, I think this, and you heard it here first, this is the end of his world championship run. The man, the man will not win one. Wow. All right. Coming on hot on the clear. All right. I feel like you're just taking a little, little out on Ferrari. They didn't hurt you, Dr. Randy. All right. This was, this is all Hamilton. If you want to point the blame. Um, All right. Well, we've talked about houses on fire, dumpsters on fire. I guess what noun would we equate the current fire that is either smoldering or burning, depending on your perspective, over at Red Bull, given all of the Christian Horner accusations and investigations into, well, whatever he's being investigated into, the latest being, quote unquote, sexual transgressions. I guess, you know, they're both being a sort of private investigation, a private and independent investigation via you know, the Red Bull team itself. I'm guess word also of there being more of a UK based sort of formal inquiry process. So more formal legal channels. Um, and then at some point throughout all of this process, some reporting on the fact that Red Bull offered, um, you know, some type of settlement, several hundreds of thousands of dollars to potentially close the matter. Uh, so all still ongoing at this point and will likely continue up until, you know, season start. Um, Graham, kick us off here. Curious, you know, one, what is he actually accused of doing or do you think he's being accused of doing? Um, and do you think this is a legitimate accusation or just some part of uh, an elaborate helmet Marco power play that we've heard about in terms of the jostling for control over at at Red Bull? I actually, I actually kind of want to throw this one to Trashman to lead off, seeing as how he's such a huge Deshaun Watson fan and a, and a fan of <laughs> he's an expert, a fan, in, of, a fan of hush money. <laughs> he's an, an expert in transgressions. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I want him to lead us, <laughs> lead us off here. Maybe Man, jump I into got, the hot water. I just got finished watching True Detective, so I feel like I am qualified <laughs> to to unravel this mystery. And he did it. He did it, guys. That's that's pretty much the end of it. I mean, you, they, they already have they already have sent the money to the young lady, which I feel very bad for. And it's I mean, I mean, allegedly Horny Horner is at it again, and here we are, guys. I mean, this is predictable stuff. But, but what is it? Is it like dick pics, or are we talking? Worse? I think it probably wasn't like a nice one. Like he didn't have a ring or a nice watch on. She was offended by it. I think he I, hadn't I had enough know. water that day. It was. <laughs> I don't know, but he was guilty. He, I, I do think it was probably just sexually explicit text. Um, mm. But did he do more? Again, he did. He did. Um, but man, this this looks bad for Red Bull guys and his two big Red Bull guys. I mean, do you, are you guys not worried at all about the structure of this? You know, this evil empire that, that we are that we are watching just take over the sport. I, I like mean, the well, just I, a quick tally on for the the Ferrari fan. Quick to uh, quick to assumptions, little proof <laughs> as necessary. All right, noted. Guilty in the in the in the uh, court of public opinion, right? Clearly, Already. there's 
there half of our screen is a prosecution and the other half is a defense. So let's let the prosecution get it all out. Taylor, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Randy, excuse me, why don't you jump in? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, the, uh, I mean, the first thing I thought was why couldn't it have been Adrian Newey? Because um, I'd much rather, I'd much, ra- I'd much rather lose Touché. him. And, and honestly, we haven't looked close enough. Let's comb through his text messages. I guarantee you, there's some creepy ass stuff with some sexual innuendos on airflow and all kinds of things. Um, but no, I, I listen. I um, when I say I hate Red Bull, I, I mean it. Uh, but I, I, I do not think losing a personality like Christian Horner is good for the sport. And so while obviously the, you know, most important thing here is if something was truly, you know, transpired that deserves, you know, punishment for the, the victim, then, then that should take precedent. However, um, man, it would, uh, it would be huge for, or in, in a bad way for, for Red Bull, because he, he has been, gosh, what was it? 2006 they start 2000 and mm-hmm. no 2008 six okay anyway he's been there he's That's been there a red while. Bull bought he's, jaguar oh wait yeah so i mean man this would this would be a blow for formula one from a personality standpoint for sure but man you're, you're offering a settlement of closer to a million dollars than zero dollars you know i think it was like seven hundred fifty thousand euros maybe but in U.S., that's, that's like six fifty. So, I mean, sure. I mean, uh, <laughs> you you round can round around that tap. Yeah. Really, but, <laughs> it's but less than they pay for know, catering. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. Is this go? Is this go in the budget? Well, yeah. How does that affect the bu- the budget cap? I mean, I think clearly though, clearly can't do it out of campaign funds. So you know, Christian Horner's not a tasteful guy, and had he been tasteful with the pictures he sent, we wouldn't be here. You know, poor girl wouldn't be sounding alarms. Kill it. So. Can we all just and, and obviously Spice Girl Nation is losing here because I mean I you got to think about Christian's wife you know and the same thing happened to Posh with Beckham mm. I mean what do they have in common uh, Yeah but they're still going is, strong I was gonna say is there still they're, a Spice they're, they're, World or is it more of a protectorate <laughs> at this point or a colony I, I, what, what sort of territory are we talking the Spice World <laughs> I I think we all have to acknowledge how absurd it is and no one has mentioned this I haven't seen this in any media that Christian Horner is about to get canceled before Helmut Marco did, which I would not have bet on to save my life. Uh, so, look, at the end of the day, maybe I'll go first for the defense here, Gerald. Obviously concerning. Uh, Taylor, I appreciate the uh, the olive branch. I don't think it's good for F1 to lose a personality this big, but at the end of the day, it's like Red Bull's fate is sealed until 2026 because of the car that's already been designed and the engineers that are working on Adrian Newey's team. So like as much as people who hate Red Bull want to think that this is like the death star for the team in the near term, it's not like it, it, at least not for the next two years. I will say I have a conspiracy theory, which I think people don't think about enough in formula one because everybody's fixated on team principles, but you got to look at the top of the house above team principles and people keep forgetting that Dietrich Mattershitz died last year. And for the entire history of Red Bull, before he died, there was one man at the top, and he was obsessed with F1, and he was the CEO and founder of Red Bull, and he owned the entire racing team, and the buck stopped with him. And he died. And apparently his son Mark is a chode and doesn't like Formula One and has put management by committee in. And I think that Diedrich Mattershitz probably protected Christian Horner for a long time, and it's not there anymore. He doesn't have that security blanket, and so now this stuff's coming out. Like, 
That's that's how I think the world works. Is uh, like somebody has a protectorate at the top of an organization. They've been the same person for all of history, and now they're no longer protected, and it's going to uh, come out. I mean, did he go to Epstein Island? Did he not go to Epstein Island? Do we find out about that this week? I don't know. They're releasing the black book <clears throat> finally. Yeah, this is the the third volume. It'll be on there. Just wait. Yeah, I mean, look. If, if, <laughs> if there was stuff that happened, it happened and he probably needs to be punished. Um, yeah. look it, I do think the bigger, you know, if he goes, it's going to be a question of who else goes. Right. Who and how much it? of a tight like group was built on those relationships versus on like the broader loyalty to the Red Bull entity, which as you said, Graham probably don't have the same loyalty to a son or a, sort of corporate oversight board as you would to the owner and your longstanding team principal. And so, yeah, it's unfortunate that his actions would potentially undo sort of lots of people's really hard work. So I do appreciate, I guess, the fact that like there was limited reporting until you find out more, kind of like the court of public opinion. I've always found it a bit unfortunate how, you know, accusations can kind of create the create the facts, but you know, if that's not the, so I, I appreciated the the ambiguity for a time um, until you actually find out what's going on. And in which case, you know, then the decisions need to be made, but we'll uh, we'll see. And it, it definitely could be very damaging to Red Bull and, and who they retain, whether that be Verstappen or, or Nui. All right. Well, after that uh, cheerful topic of transgressions, um, Less, less so. I mean, I, I guess in other driver prince or team principal news, um, no transgressions other than the transgression of failure. Gunter Steiner out at Haas um, after finishing in last place in the 2023 campaign uh, group. What's the thoughts on on Mr. Gene Haas's decision? Do we feel like that was really in the best interest of the team? And then beyond Haas, knowing it is a collusive sort of closed single entity. What's the ultimate impact on sort of the the broader personality and and branding of um, Formula One as an entertainment product? Anybody want to lead off? I'm going to miss those phone calls that they had. I feel like that's going to be the the, uh, the worst part of this. Is we watch Drive to Survive, we're going to get not get those phone calls of Hey Gene, I'm sorry, wrecked another <laughs> car. Yeah, right, you really nailed that Austrian accent. I, uh, oh, that was that was a but Plus, it just I, didn't it, get picked up by the AirPods. I wouldn't sweat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a transmission issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to miss him as a personality. I feel like as the overall direction of Haas, it, it probably doesn't matter. I mean, they're they're pitiful at best. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this away prediction. They're going to finish last this year. I know that's a hot take, but I definitely am going to miss his personality. Uh, but overall, as far as Haas in general, I mean. It's just such a clown show right now. And this is coming from a team that is, has already, I mean, they've already had a Russian oligarch part of their team, you know, big energy drinks, whatever. I mean, how can they continue to be on the grid? It's it's a travesty that they're on the grid and Andretti's not, and not to rehash that too much. But I am going to miss uh, Miss Gunther and, and definitely miss those phone calls behind the scenes. I have a bit of a contrary view here. I, I, I'm not going to miss Gunther at all. I, he was, for me, he was entering – like Michael Block 
like in golf, like we're tired of like as soon as it was announced that Gunther was having a great book comp. deal. Great comp. Great comp. I, I was like, dude, I am sick of this guy. He is like I don't find him interesting. He's just a cartoon character and he was interesting for the first season of Drive to Survive where like he was kind of successful in spite of himself and his doofus owner. But now I'm just like, get this guy out of here. The only thing that I wish would have been done differently is he had been taken off the grid because the whole Haas team would have been relegated, not just him being fired. That would have been the better outcome. But I'm I'm honestly not going to miss him at all because I think that a team that is a shit car with a shit brand in the worst livery on the grid by far and barely in your sponsors deserves to have a faceless team principal. Like, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm not going to miss him. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I agree with you. I think he puts the cheese in cheese dick, and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm glad he's out. Um, but I do think though this is going to open the door because now Haas is dead. They're de- they're 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 going to be dead last. They have zero appeal because there's no longer a clown running the team. And I I think Andretti buys them. I mean, I think that's what's going to happen, uh, and that's the way they're going to get on the grid. I mean, why else do I care about Haas? Well, and that's Other the thing is you I, get around a Gunter, but was he real, really, he was the issue? Like he's going right, to, somebody exactly. else there so is going to change it. So I liked having him at least as the person, like if you're going to have, you had to have somebody in the role, you might as well have one who is hugely entertaining. And at the end of the day, if this is just an entertainment product and we just care about eyeballs and views, he sure as hell got him. I mean, who else's goofy ad campaign became like a viral <laughs> sort of marketing? Nobody's. So yeah, I think it's I think it's worse off for the sport overall, but it wasn't going to change the trajectory of of Haas and and I'm with you, Doctor Randy. I think he Gene probably missed the window about two years ago or last year to to sell out while there was such promise and and I guess optimism in Haas. And after last year and now another year of like being last, like you're not enhancing your value at at this point. And so, well, yeah, but. But when now everybody who tries to get into F1 knows that there's never going to be more than 10 spots for a team, it doesn't matter where your where your spot on the grid is. The fact that Just you have a spot. ticket to the show is all that care is all that matters. So like his evaluation is not going anywhere. Like he's he's on the grid. So and he, you can chalk it up to dumb luck that he bid for entry into F1 in 2015 before Drive to Survive existed, and when none of us gave a damn about the sport or even had it in our consciousness and F1 was at this low point. It's like, okay, congrats for timing it well, but like, I guess that's life. I don't know. Now he's going to literally make a billion dollars on Haas Racing, which is an absolute joke. Yeah, that joke. does that. that is a travesty for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, but, at this but point... Again, yeah, go ahead, Travis. You, you guys, I mean, that that he was the only thing interesting about a completely uninterested team. The car is terrible. The drivers are average at best. And even if you don't like him, he was still the only thing to talk about, which I think, again, I'm a little, I mean, I'm not sad about it, but there's no, there's no reason to talk about Haas anymore until they're, they're not there. Boom. All right. Trash man, trash man, taking out the garbage (laughs) headed to the dump, never to be seen from again. I like it. Um, All right. Well, let's close on some, um, let's close on some gambling news. Sauber title sponsor stake. Um, basically their use is going to have to be restricted. You know, Sauber being a Swiss company has tight limitations on gambling company and corporation and marketing. And then of course, you know, large presence in, um, Middle Eastern markets as well, likely to be restrictions in terms of what, um, you know, how state can be represented there. 
I guess just from a corporate management perspective, Graham, watch your views. Like, how big of a fuck up is this to have a title sponsor that you can't even have the car on in, you know, more than one hand's worth of races? Um, and and do you think they are around much longer than, you know, the time it takes for Audi to come in proper? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hardly the worst. It's a fuck up, but it's hardly the worst I've ever. I mean, like literally Haas signed like a Ponzi scheme to their car and rich energy, right? I don't even know what MoneyGram is, just to be clear. And if, had any of you heard of MoneyGram before they signed with MoneyGram? That could be an illegitimate, just like Cayman Shell Company. I have no idea. And then, and then Will, William signed. William signed with Martini and then got sued by him for like 25. I had to sue him to get their like full payout. Like the sponsor F1 car relationship has been a far greater shit show for most of Formula One than like, some company we've never heard of not realizing they could like register their trademark in Switzerland. Like I, I, I think it's funny. I also happen to believe that the Audi OEM experiment is going to be a complete shit show. I think it's going to go about as well as the BMW entry as an OEM did in F1, which is, did not go well at all. So I like to see these guys burn a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, man, my main pro at this point is just to see some more color on the grid uh, with the the green sponsor. I was sad to see Alfa Romeo go as a sponsor, but totally, like, clearly we didn't learn from Rich Energy or the Russian oligarchs or FTX. Like, yeah, let's just go down, like, the, the sort of fintech crypto um, gambling venture and, and hope for the best. But, like, what is it? Are they, do we, and to, like, are they offering that much more money to be a sponsor are there just not that many credible sponsors that are willing to like write these kind of checks? Like, how are we ending up with all these like goofball sponsorships? Is it just money laundering? Is that the answer? As long as your logo isn't a flaccid penis, the highest bidder, <laughs> the, the highest bidder settlement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the high, <laughs> yeah. You actually have to pay for that logo. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the highest bidder gets on the car, man. That's just how it works. Like people are not trying to go with the cool logos here. So, well, as we talked a little bit about Sauber's uh, or state. Wait, hold on. Can I? Is it Sauber or Salba? Salba. Fuck. Who gives a shit, really? You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who cares about a Swiss State car company these days? Special K Sauber. <laughs> is there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they uh, really missed an opportunity for like a cereal brand sponsor <laughs> on that one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The tricks, tricks are for kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we're getting into car talk, I guess I'm curious. So we're not too testing yet, but we've gotten, I guess, most of nearly all car launches or car reveals. I guess Williams sort of being an outlier at this point in terms of not a full reveal of their car, but. Um, curious if you guys have any uh, any reactions or observations from the the team car launches, Doctor Randy. What uh, what stood out to you over the last few weeks of of car launches? Uh, on a lighter note, you know, I think our boys at uh, Stake um, is 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 dangerously close to some kid that won a fifth grade uh, Hot Wheels um, development contest. Um, and he might have been blind. Um, and <laughs> this is a charity thing. Yeah, pretty blind. Green. Yeah, no, it, I, I honestly like the, the color, uh, it, it sort of, you know, it's nice to have that green, that vibrant green. But man, I, I think that car just looks 
like something I would pay about 50 cents at a dollar general, uh, in Monk's Corner, South Carolina for. Give him a dollar, man. No, no disrespect, trash man. But, um, my, my big storyline with the reveal is, uh, I think the, the most interesting was Red Bull. Um, not because they stuck with their NASCAR theme as far as their paint job and their logos. Um, but I, I feel like that, that Red Bull actually, you know, obviously a lot of teams don't reveal their actual car, but, I think they totally are just sandbagging everyone. And the fact that they are showing this vertical zero sidebod Mercedes-esque thing is a total, like, look at me moving my hand up here while I kick you in the nuts. And it, it's going to look completely different on this week. So just to to be clear though on the on the Red Bull piece right so they introduced this sort of vertical air inlet I think it's important to be clear about the difference of the air inlet versus the side pod because they're not really going zero side pod right they still have the very pronounced like big lateral shelf I don't think they've really gone to like the water slide concept as much or did they just sort of adopt that a bit but a little bit. It's it's it has shades of the, you're right though. Yeah, right, but Charles. the the air inlet is very Mr. big G. because that was much more prominent on the Mercedes, right? As part of the zero side pod design, and even I would say more akin to what Mercedes at least showed at their car reveal as well, which is both sort of a vertical and sort of horizontal, kind of like an L shape air inlet. So they were still trying to go that direction. So and I actually thought. Wow, maybe this is a really good inter- innovation because you probably have such strong sort of airflow along the sides of the nose. Maybe it makes sense. Both of those teams have, you know, really high reliable, highly reliable engines as we've seen over the last couple of years. You know, very few engine failures. I guess 2022 Red Bull had some, you know, early season issues, but then, you know, you look at last year and basically no DNFs for for um Verstappen and and mostly the case for um Hamilton and Russell as well, but you're thinking that's more of a sandbag and that's not an actual design that you will see in the season. You think they'll go back to kind of the under the underbite um, air inlet design. I think they're going to be light years ahead of the field. Unfortunately, like I think they're going to maybe not quite um, to the extent at the beginning of last year. And again, if you, you take max out of it, then the field really bunched up. But I think this is them just kind of playing, playing with the rest of the field. I think it is a total sleight of hand and I think they're going to have a really fast car, but it almost seems obnoxious what they came to their reveal. Now I thought their reveal was pretty professional. I thought other than like me getting up at five fifteen in the morning, which I'm usually up anyway, no disrespect to anybody who's not, but yeah, watching the Mercedes five fifteen offended by <laughs> five fifteen reveal and they literally just like opened up this YouTube video and just were like, Here we are, here's our car. Like Red Bulls was actually like entertaining. But I, I, I do not think that's their car. Um, other than the fact that it'll look like it should be turning left on a cylinder. Uh racing for NASCAR. Uh, but, uh, I don't think that's going to be what it looks like. Trashman, How about you? What, uh, what's been your take on the, on the preseason car launches? Yeah. Just to close out the Red Bull, I think like if they <laughs> actually are, you know, making a major change like that, I mean, I think that's really impressive. And obviously as a Ferrari fan, I hope it's a disaster, 
But I do, and if, if they really make major changes to a car that was clearly ahead of the pack, I, I think that's like a winner's mentality, man. I think that that is really impressive. Obviously, Adrian Newey is incredibly impressive. Um, but I hope it's I hope it's a dumpster fire. As far as aesthetics are going, I really like the Mercedes. I feel like it looks super sharp with the silver and black. I mean, I feel like it's kind of tough to pull off those tones like that with the front as well as the top of the car. But I think it looks really, really nice. Um, I think the Ferrari is solid. It's kind of tough to fuck up red. And they managed not to do that. So that's always nice. I don't love the McLaren. I feel like I really love their Golf um, from Monaco a couple years ago. I don't, I guess, maybe because of just the, the carbon that's nowadays. I really think that it's a missed opportunity not to do orange and white for them. Um, I do. I like the, the RB car. Is that what their name is now? It looks like an RC Cola, but it's, it's pretty cool looking, I guess. Um, but, man, the Mercedes... Is, is definitely my favorite as far as just the aesthetics of the livery. I feel like they did a super job of combining their color scheme. And even though it's mostly the black carbon, I feel like the silver looks really good on top. I'll have an RC Cola, says the man from Monk's <laughs> Corner. At least thing I've heard all day. I, uh, I think that the Mercedes nose is very overrated aesthetically. I think it would have looked better in white. I don't know why they're on the silver block. Or if they had gone with white? like... Or, uh, or if they had gone with like what? the Patronus the green, what? Or if they had Get gone with the Patronus green on the nose, I I think the silver looks a little shitty. I don't, I don't. I- I do. I can get behind. I do think I it would be cool. The Patronus green. Yes, I think it would be cool if they had a special livery that was like all that Patronus teal, like real heavy on on but, that. That would be a cool, the, like special special livery at least. But yeah, I don't know. You can go that. Gonna, you, can, you gotta have the silver, man. I mean, what what are the, what else is the option? Yeah, I, I, I think I think the Patronus green would be cool, but I think maybe that much of it would be like shades of like some of the. Uh, uh, uniforms the Tennessee Titans wear which are horrible when they wear a lot of their kind of like blue secondary colors and so like Mercedes second like sometimes the secondary color just shouldn't be the main thing and I feel like I like the idea though the white on the nose I hate the Patronus on the nose I could play with that a little bit that that's uh and but what it's cool though is like if you look at the car from the front it's like it's the silver arrows and then just slightly turn it oblique and you've got shades of both. So it's kind of like, um, I, I, I feel like it's kind of maybe they're trying to like two different eras and, you know, when they brought the black out for a lot of the unity stuff and then obviously the silver arrows for years. I your point, Taylor, about the fact that the car design is irrelevant is the best one I've heard tonight. I I think it's hilarious that we get so analytical about these car launches when there's absolutely zero rules and regulations built around like what you're seeing and like what the legitimacy of it is beyond the paint job. I completely agree. I think Red Bull's fucking with everyone. I mean, literally like two years ago in the first you mean like the first uh season of these arrow regs, the cars people were rolling out at these like launch shows were literally like the stock F1 like marketing car with like their sponsors pasted on it. So like, yeah, you're not going to tell anything until we get to the track. But also, but also, furthermore, <laughs> I do think that if Red Bull has gone and basically used a bunch of unexpected arrow, and then they come onto the track and they beat everybody's brains in with it unexpectedly. All it's going to prove is that the performance of the Red Bull car is not actually the aero itself. It's the vehicle dynamics. It's the interaction of the aero and the chassis. 
which they have nailed better than anybody because it's all about managing ride height is what speed is about in this era. And you can probably do that with a lot of different permutations of aero design, but you have to know how it interacts with the suspension. And clearly they have figured that out. And I wouldn't doubt their ability to figure that out with a different era philosophy. So, well, and to your point, beyond the arrow changes, basically all of the teams now have the same sort of rear end suspension, except for Ferrari. So Ferrari being a bit of the outlier there in terms of like the mechanical dynamic. Yes, you saw the change with with Red Bull and the side pod. You've seen a couple, but generally, I think by and large, you've seen a convergence into that like water slide design. So you do see the broader like convergence of design philosophy. But to your point, whether the nose cone or the side pod, you know, the air inlet is exactly like that. I think will will remain to be seen. I would love it if they came out with just like basically last year's car and picked it up and like, yeah, we were just fucking with you. But but yeah, if they're able to pivot like that, I think you'll leave a lot of people like scratching their head. Like, what else do we need to do do differently here? So we'll uh, we will see. But I agree with you, trash man. I think in terms of liveries, the McLaren designer is right up there with the the steak Saba designer as well. I mean, just basic shit, single crayon like line across the car. I think they should just rock that golf livery 24 seven. So uh, never thought me and the trash man would have so much in common. But here here we are. Should there be a rule against exposed carbon? <laughs> I don't give a shit. No. So I, I think there's, I think it's, I think it's gone too far. I think there's too much, there's way too much black. And again, like when Mercedes was doing, I think it was cool. And then because of the carbon, everyone else is doing it. I mean, the, the Alpine looks horrific. I mean, I, I don't like the, the Williams. I mean, the Haas is again, atrocious. What? I think, they, any- I think as much copycat as they've done, I think they should. And it seems really petty and really, they shouldn't have to do it. But I think that it would be at this point a reasonable thing to do to keep the color schemes of the cars, you know, unique and keep the color of the grid looking uh, pretty cool. We're, we're waiting, <laughs> Doctor Randy. You want to so note this for post production? I'm no, I'm trying to think. Um, that leave you speechless for for Williams Racing with Duracell. Is Duracell the battery company that had the bunny? Correct. No, that's Energizer. That's Energizer. Oh, buddy. Energizer. Yeah, yeah, shit. All right. I, You're gonna uh, withhold. I, uh, you want to put a bunny on the pass. car? Okay. And uh, a pink bunny. I'll, I'll go ahead. And, I'll give the rest of my time to the trash man. <laughs> yeah. The, no, man. I, I can feel that wasn't. Can you? Can you give us the idea? I want to hear the design idea. No. I, Where I are just, you putting the bunny? I mean, a lot of things. There's a lot, a lot of potential <laughs> for that bunny right now. Uh, but yeah, rear wing focused. <laughs> <laughs> I leave Adrian Newey speechless. The bunny yeah, on the rear yeah. wing, and you still beating him. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that the Duracell battery gets enough criticism. I mean, I think the Williams car last year looked pretty good with the lighter shades of blue, but the battery's just so cheesy, man. It's, that's just straight out of NASCAR. It's like when uh, what's his name was driving there's a Fig Newton sticker, Ricky Bobby. There's a Fig Newton sticker. I mean, it's just terrible. It's just bad. Hey, you know those you know but, those marketers but, aren't gonna pa- pass up on a sweet <laughs> gimmick. You can't pass up on a sweet gimmick like that. I mean, sure, if they had the bunny, they'd have used it too. So I mean the bunny bunny I would have given a slide to. Yeah. Yeah. No, the the but the I mean you know, I think the most disappointing uh it either McLaren or Alpine for me. I think Alpine truly with God, they had the ability with like they they they're trying to bring in the navy 
with the black with the pink. It's just like like the pink is it like the pink camo one? Isn't that what? Didn't you see that hinting at that? Yeah. You're like you're like it's like when somebody wears like a navy shirt with black pants, but they're like really close, like it's a dark dark navy. And you're like, are they wearing the? Are you wearing the same color shirt with your pants? And it's like I'm. That's what I'm thinking when I look at that car, you know. And 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 they have like some fancy designer. Like they have pretty good like merch. Like Mercedes merchandise hasn't changed in a hundred years. It's not very not very good. I mean, it's not the worst. It's not the best. But Alpine like actually designed some of their merch to where I'm like, man, I wish my team had some classy stuff like that. And then their their livery just blows. Yeah, Ma- I mean it, it, it. It's terrible. McLaren, maybe. I mean, I could either or. I'm fine Ma- with being the worst. I, I'm I, I'm going to come down to McLaren harder because they have they have better tools at their disposal to do better. I don't think the Alpine brand and color scheme give them as much to work with. But McLaren is like literally like you guys pick the worst version of the combination of these colors that you could have possibly picked. You've got a white dominant version in the Gulf that slaps. I think the all papaya slaps pretty hard. Like. You could do so many things with that thing, and they literally chose the one route that makes it look like a. I don't. I just I don't even know. It's yeah, like Alpine, with, Alpine with BWT. And, and, that's a tough. You're in a rock and a hard spot there. Whereas to your point, yeah, what's McLaren? BWP, I mean, water company. Yeah, blue like, and orange. I, you know. It's hard to beat. You know, like yeah. come on. I agree. All right. Well, I think we have. You know, us with our keen eye for design. I think if we've beat this car livery topic to death. I think that brings us to the end of the the big off-season news. I guess, you know, lots of drama, lots of twists and turns for for all of our teams. I guess I'm curious to go around the horn and and hear kind of what you're most excited for or if you have a big prediction for the year, you know, this is your chance to get it out because, um, you know, this will most certainly be the one time we have you guys on. So, uh, you know, this is the, uh, <laughs> you know, let's bring it home strong. So, uh I guess trash man. Let's uh, let's lead it off with you, man. What uh, what are you looking forward to this this upcoming year? Yeah, so I'm just man, super excited. F one's back. Um, I know it's only a few months off, but I feel like I really, really like every year. I miss it more and more. Even with last year, just being a kick in the face. If you're not a Red Bull fan, you know, certainly very hopeful that Ferrari can can find something this year. Maybe challenge a little bit, and hopefully Charles can get a couple wins personally. But just excited to have the sport back. Excited to have something to do on Sunday mornings again and get excited about. Um, and thank you guys for, for taking a big chance on me. You know, I feel like, you know, I, I know you guys have high salaries and the, you didn't have a big budget for us. I appreciate you finding me. <laughs> really appreciate this opportunity. Put food on the table for my kids. Uh, future future baby aunts of the way. Um, but, man, just excited to have everything back. I am super excited. I think that with the, you know, Hamilton going to Ferrari next year, that's going to hopefully move the driver market a little bit. Hopefully we'll get some newer drivers on as well. I feel like we have, you know, like, you know, a lot of drivers that are just there, just like average drivers. So I'm hoping that this will spark a little bit of movement in the old the driver market. Um, and it's definitely going to be interesting to see the dynamics of Mercedes this year with, with Hamilton on the way out and to see how that progresses as far as team decisions for him and George. But just excited to have racing back. Love the sentiment. Uh, b- before he goes, can I ask, Taylor, did a bird shit on your arm, your left arm? Is that... It's three Jack National. If oh, you have to ask oh, about it. Sorry, no, you don't know. Yeah, you you weren't yeah. asked to join. Sorry. Uh, it's Oof. a fictitious golf club from one of my favorite golf parody accounts, Club Pro Guy CPG. No free ads uh, on this show. No bird shit. No bird <laughs> shit. Um, 
What I'm looking forward to, thanks for asking. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> this man is, came dressed I, in his I, finest I, hoodie, and you're going to shit all on. over him. His finest TikTok branded hoodie. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's Holderness and Born. Uh, again, if you had to ask. Um, Honestly, that's so, a clothing brand that's just like, I'm a douchebag. Well, it's like two words but, but, and not one. But I'm comfortable. Um, so I think that, uh, unfortunately, this year, for me, it's going to be. And again, it all will play out testing in the first race. We'll see if the cars are closer. But if they're not, and Red Bull probably is still enough ahead to where Max is winning mostly. I mean, the dynamics at Mercedes between George and Lewis and Lewis's last year there are going to be so entertaining. Like, I mean, I, I I will watch every race anyway. Like, I, I mean, I always do because I enjoy it. But even last year when Max was going to run away with most of the races. But, man. uh if even if Max is way ahead, if you have a McLaren and a Ferrari and a Mercedes that are competitive with the dynamics of Lewis leaving to Ferrari the following year, I mean, there's there's no there's there 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 will be no need to try to stir up controversy. And unfortunately, I think it will be at the expense of Mercedes. And I'm going to have to just absolutely defend Defend their honor the whole year, and I'm, uh, I'm here for it. Well, while I made a joke that we wouldn't have you back, at the particular mo- lowest points of the Ferrari and Mercedes seasons, respectively, we will certainly have you come and join us to voice <laughs> you your pain and suffering. So <laughs> we will uh, we will keep you guys on speed dial for those moments. Uh, my bold prediction for the year, um, I think that Red Bull will win the constructors by a larger margin of victory than they did last year. Even larger. You just keep riding this train. And that is because I do not think Sergio Perez will be in the seat after the summer break. I think that Alex Albon will be back in that seat and Liam Lawson will be in full time at the Visa Cash App, Charles Schwab Amex fucking racing bulls or whatever they're called. Uh, so whose seat is vacated at the cash app? V- Vicar, 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 And I think, yeah, what about Danny? and I think that Danny Rick dies with Christian Horner. I think that Horner is Danny Rick's defender for the comeback tour, much more than anybody there. Seriously, who's his advocate at Red Bull other than Christian Horner? So you're not saying that if Danny goes down with transgressions, you're saying that. Oh yes, yes. Thank you for the good clarifier. No, <laughs> Danny, Danny, not guilty of anything. Was, was, <laughs> was, this yeah. a, was this a bit of a game of pacifist? Oh yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> Danny's not guilty of anything other than making some bad team change decisions at bad times. But uh, yeah, uh, thank you, thank you for yeah that. Um, yeah, no, I I think that, uh, and I'll say this as a, as a vehement Perez fan, I think he's not going to make the summer break. I think Albon's going to come in there, renewed confidence, crush. Red Bull's going to run away with it, and then the 2025 driver market, just total crapshoot. Who knows what happens? So, Do you think Sergio's not in second at the summer break? Is that why he's getting replaced, or he's just so far behind Verstappen? I think it's all about relative performance at this point, and Red Bull's going to start asking themselves – if the gap is going to narrow in the 2026 reg change, which it very well will, we cannot afford to go on this much longer with a guy five tenths behind our lead driver on average. And they're going to get more decisive about it. Cause it's also just like he Perez at that point is adding no value. It's like, he is, you can win the constructors with max by himself. So like it doesn't behoove you to just leave a lame duck in the seat next to him. You got to try stuff. And I think Albon's the next man up. So, wow. 
I gotta say, I am shocked. I was not expecting, uh, as, as the staunchest supporter a year ago, was not expecting you to throw Danny Rick under the bus, uh, just like that. But, um, wow, I guess just not a real, real supporter. Never really had the true faith that you professed, I guess, in him last year, but. Well, can't say actually, I'm, can I'm I, all that surprised. Can, can I modify that though? Actually, I, I could also see Red Bull throwing Sonoda out because his loyalty is only is, goes as far as Honda. At some point, his days are going to be numbered. Uh, so it could be either of those guys. I think the point is that Lawson will get a seat. Yeah, I, I think as we look ahead to next year, I mean, the biggest news is still going to be on Red Bull versus Red Bull Two driver lineup and actually getting to see like the Sonoda Ricardo head to head, hopefully all year, um, will be pretty, pretty fascinating. And, and look, let's hope that they've stolen as many designs and parts from the the previous Red Bull as possible and are an even more competitive team. And it actually means something for them, uh, this year on your, unlike this prior year. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think similar to prior year, Graham, I I don't know that Red Bull's even going to be in a position where it matters that much to cut Perez and, they got a one, two great. I don't even know if they care about that next year. Um, and, and they'll probably be looking more to 2025. So I appreciate the pessimism though. Um, I appreciate that side of you, but, um, no, I, I think, I think they have enough, uh, personnel drama. They'll try to minimize that as best they can through throughout the year. But with that, some interesting predictions, some interesting guests to say the least, Dr. Randy trash, man, appreciate you guys joining us. Um, we'll, we'll check the comments and we'll check the feedback and, uh, you know, based on what the, what the audience score is, uh, we'll, we'll look to, uh, bring you guys back for, uh, for a round two. Thank you guys. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Y'all call us. We'll, we'll, phone's on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. Peace.